Welcome to Hope's Hearth, a GMless actual play podcast where friends explore identity, community, and the ways people find strength and love in dire situations. Our lines, which are things we absolutely do not want to see, are trypophobia, insect horror, parent death, rape, body shaming, homophobia, transphobia, big diseases, involuntary transformation, ableism, racism, sexism, violence against children and animals, unwanted pregnancy, acephobia, and non-consensual situations. Our veils, which are things we're fine with addressing but will fade to black on, are spiders, graphic depictions of bodily harm, abuse of any kind, dementia or similar mental illnesses, insoluble problems, trauma, steamy situations, eating disorders, depression, and self-harm. Today we are playing Celestial Bodies Orbital Mechanics, a three-player role-playing game about living through diaspora uh, by Thomas Herbertson, which you can get at mossykid.itch.io forward slash Celestial Bodies Orbital Mechanics. Success. Yay! <laughs> Uh, my name is Izzy. I use sincere pronouns. You can find me online at the sh- uh, on Tumblr at Lots of Deer. Um, with me today is Malia. Hello, Malia. I use she/her pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at Criminally Cryptid with one L. And joining us today is Solace. Hey, hey, it's Solace, your boy. Uh, you can find me at, at itch at solace gray. That's gray with an E. Uh, I, I guess you could find me on Twitter if, if you want to. And that's if you want to try, even though it's unusable. Completely unusable. Never mind. The API is whack. So, no, no Twitter for me. <laughs> for, for your sake and mine. <laughs> for all of our sanity. No Twitter. Yes, no tweeter. No tweeter. Uh, so yeah, today we are playing uh, Celestial Bodies Orbital Mechanics, a game that the three of us have been trying to properly play for, what, half a year at this point? I'd say a solid three months. <laughs> we were supposed to play it last month and all of us forgot. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, as you do, it happens. These, these things make happen. Yep. When you're neurospicy. When you're neurospicy and everything happens all of the time. I'm just tired. Also that. Yeah. We're all tired. Yes. <laughs> but yes, so uh, we have already done some pre-preparation beforehand for this game um, because we didn't want to have to do all of that discussion on recording. Did it take us almost an hour? No, shut up. <laughs> um, so the playbook, the playbook, the, the game document goes through one it's got some pretty baller art as you roll through it um and it is good and i lost my train of thought for a second um it gives us some principles which are play true to your character play true to your role play true to your friends and play true to yourself which is great those are great things to remember um, each of us will have different roles that we play as we go through this game that we are going to be switching between. There is the primary, uh, who will be the primary person in the scene. 
There is the satellite, the person who is in charge of uh, playing the environment around them, uh, NPCs, things like that. You're contextualizing the role and impact of the primary's character. And then there's the counterweight, uh, which is the conflicts that the primary is clashing against. Uh, we will be going through eight different scene story node things uh, as this game has presented them. Because what we are doing is we are on a journey to escape some shit. <laughs> We, our setting is, we're in the Hope's Hearth universe, as always, um, but we are a fleet escaping the mandate, trying to find our way to Hope's promise. I know, you may, you may be saying, it keeps coming back to that. Yeah, it does. It's almost like we have a point <laughs> to Hope's promise existing. It's almost like we're trying to set up a story of, of uh, wish fulfillment and shit like that. You know? Uh, but so with our setting, we have two questions we have to answer. Uh, what set of beliefs unifies your cause and binds you all together? And what is the main reason the old Earth Order, or the Mandate, uh, has turned its sights against you? Why has your cause been set to flight? So... For the first question, uh, the options that we have is revolutionary sentiment, demands for justice, pursuit of equality, seeking denied liberties, tradition and heritage, and community and comradeship. Which one do you think fits our little group trying to escape the mandate to get to Hope's promise? You want to pick, pick? Do you want to pick more than one? Can we? I don't see why not. Yeah, that's fair. I was going to say, I'm going to pick both of you up and shake you if you weren't going to answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, also, I, we like could roll a, a D6 and let that pick for us. We could. I mean, I, I think it also depends on, like, you know, how big our flotilla is. Mm -hmm. um, because there could be multiple sentiments shared by the sort of somewhat yes, semi-sovereign. we're not playing Kingdom. Oh god, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. We're not playing Kingdom. I'm gonna roll a d6 and we'll yes. roll with it. Roll with it. We got a one. Revolutionary sentiment. So this is a group of revolutionaries. You know, that's awesome. that's, that tracks. Alright, so why has the mandate turned its sights on us? Let's roll again. A three resource scarcity. Yeah, that makes sense based on how they just destroy everything. Mm -hmm. So that makes it seem like we've either got something they want or we've taken something. Which, I mean, I guess the, the second one is also the first one, but there's like a difference between us already having had it and them wanting it and us having taken it from them and them wanting it back. What would we have? What do you guys think? Uh, what sort of 
what are some I don't know if you're familiar with like Armor Stir. Um but in that game the authority sort of the you know the fasci authoritarian yes, government situation, right? Yeah, the fascists. Um they in terms of like what your group of revolutionaries is trying to do, um they are going after these pillars, these sort of these centers of authority, power. And that could be anything from, you know, um uh, some kind of research facility to, you know, the capital city to, you know, this one psychic child, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> like it, it can range and, you know, the, you know, having a variety of those things does enable that to give it a sense of like the real, the real like reach and the range of the authority. Right. And so uh, this is just a question for you because you've lived in this world a little bit longer than I have. Um, what do some of those like centers of power like look like? Like, what are the things that the mandate prizes and uses and wields um, very loudly? Like, what's something we could take from them? So, we actually really haven't been in a lot of major centers of mandate power. We've tended to kind of avoid that and stick on the fringes. Mm-hmm. So, smaller mandate facilities and things like that. But the mandate likes to utilize the weird and experimental. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, Sam Alexson, which is one of Dirk's characters, um, a dark ass name right there. <laughs> Uh, uh, he activated a, a, a will just absolutely erase you from the universe device embedded under, under her skin. (laughs) And it like kind of, it, it half did that and turned her blue. She's flickering in and out of existence. Mm. (laughs) Um, Okay. Man um, Manning, Malia's character, <laughs> no longer exists. Oh, wow. Okay. So, because... They do a lot of uh, research and development, a lot of experimentation. They also heavily rely on weaponry and their armies uh, for oppression, as well as stripping resources from the people who need it and creating false scarcity and uh, um, um, economy inflation. There we go. My brain was like, environment. I was like, that's not the word! Okay. So what if it's like... What if it's like some terraforming principle? We've taken that the means to do that um and hightailed it Mm -hmm. like stolen a specific program or piece of machinery Mm -hmm. more or less yeah okay we've taken something that is integral to terraforming that they only have one of (laughs) right in that part of in that part of space yeah because remember we're going on the fringes right and the idea is like you, you said it, you know, the city, they create false scarcity. Like, if anyone has the means of production, it's it's the mandate. Right? Yeah. And they only ever have like, maybe these things are like expensive and big and like hard to make, and so they can only have so many of them mm-hmm. because they have to find more of the materials to allow them to make them, and oh boy, those are hard to find. Right. Right. Mm. 
So there is some really junk, jank worlds out there. They're just stripped for everything they've got so that they can go and beautify a planet somewhere else yep. um, and make that actually, you know, habitable. You haven't listened to the Honey Heist games we did, but um, they took all of the honey from an entire uh, town whose whole thing uh, for tourism was making honey. They took all of it. Mm-hmm. They suck. So yeah, okay. So we have this this terraforming device that they want mm-hmm. back uh, because it's the only one in this entire part of space. And maybe they were mid planet terraforming, and we were like, "Yoink! Fuck you!" <laughs> oh shit, we need to run. Is it a? Is it a mech? Is it? Um... Ooh, it'd be interesting if it was a mech. Okay. Ooh, what if it's a sentient mech? Oh, cool. Yeah, no, I like that. Captain Planet. And, and it's like we didn't we didn't just take it just to, uh, for the mandate purpose, but also because it's sentient and it doesn't want to be controlled by the mandate anymore. Hey, that's that's an unshackled AI right there. Okay, consider. Cool. I'm considering. So I had two thoughts just happen, and one of them was, okay, so the rookie pilot obviously helped steal this. Mm-hmm. What if the mech is the rookie pilot? Hey, all right. We don't have mm-hmm. to go with that. I just thought that was funny as soon as I thought of it. Yeah, I, don't, I, I don't know. I mean, is it is it more interesting to explore like the internality of a living machine or the relationship between a person and the machine that they stole that wanted to be stolen. I think the second thing. So the rookie pilot piloting this machine and not being good at it. I guess every excuse for my character to tell you to get in the robot, which is wonderful. <laughs> so that, yes. We gotta have our Evangelion references in this bitch. Alright, cool. Has that been written down somewhere? Mm-hmm. Thank you. You were fantastic. So, the next thing is character creation, which we did off screen. So, I will start with mine, because... Yeah, my my uh, uh, thingy is first. So we had to roll 2d6 basically to come up with our character's archetype. Um, and I got the rookie, uh, whose trait is green. I could choose between three traits or make up my own. And the traits I could choose between were green, callow, or cocky. And I went with green. So my rookie is very new. Um, we start off with one trait. We can get up to two traits as we go on. We can also get these things called resources, which are things that, like, we can use. Um, my character's name is Coriander, uh, or Cory, and uses he, him pronouns. He is human, or, you know, human adjacent. This is space. <laughs> he looks human. <laughs> um... He is a young man, uh, probably 
19 or 20. He's very new to piloting. Like, he's done, you know, like, loader bots, which are basically just weird power armor and things like that, and um, driven, like, vehicles, but he's never piloted anything as big as a ship or a mech until recently. Um, and he, he wants to do his best. Is his best any good? Uh, we'll find out. <laughs> we'll try to find out. <laughs> yep. Uh, Malia, who is your character? Matt. Oh, no. <laughs> God damn it, Taco. <laughs> Taco, make another slide again. There we go. Okay. So <laughs> I'm playing Sud, uh, which uses she, her pronouns. Her archetype is awakened psionic. And her trait is intense. And for those of you who are maybe your ears are, are, are perking up like, that sounds familiar. You would be right. Yes, this is the exact same character. Sud is a god. God of what? None eh. <laughs> of us can remember. Uh, and Solace. Uh, that's me. Um, I am playing, I've chosen the, the archetype of the captain, um, and I'm playing uh, Xanthus Alathe Rail. Um, they have, I use a, they have them pronouns. Um, you know, I was, I was, I was musing on, on the ship stuff, um, and I, I, I don't know why, I just ended up putting in there captain of the, of the peace, be still. That is a um, good ship name. I, I approve. I like that. Wonderful. Um, and of the three traits, I chose austere. Uh, the other one was reassuring, and I like the fact that that's like reassuring parentheses with tremendous effort. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you pick a trait that's like on first impression. What do people see when they when they when they look at you when they perceive you, right? And most people would think that um, Alathe is uh, very austere, um, very professional. Um, which I think is the second trait on that list. So I actually shouldn't say that. Uh, <laughs> let me see. Yeah, austere, professional, and reassuring. Yeah, no. Uh, they're, they're, they appear very austere. Uh, and But to them, it's, it's, they do try to, they try to be reassuring. And it doesn't always happen the way they want. They do their best. They do their best. Can't believe we've got the full spread, the he, she's, and they's. Yes. <laughs> All right, so... Now we have to finalize our characters, which is something we have not done yet. Uh, so now that we have the archetype that forms the basis of our characters, we have to come up with a name and pronouns for them. We did that. Consider what your character most grieves for having lost by following the cause, which, remember, is um, revolutionary sentiments and we stole shit. Um, pick an option below, roll a d6, or invent a new <clears throat> option. So our options are family and social connections. Affluence and social standing, material possessions, comfort and security, opportunities and plans, or physical well-being. This is what they grieve for the most. So I'm going to roll. I'm rolling again. I didn't like that one. You know what? That works. I got comfort and security. I rolled material possessions first, and I was like, that sounds stupid. <laughs> eh. 
Uh, Malia, what did you get? Comfort and security. Hell yeah! If you want to pick a different one, you can, but also we are allowed to have the same ones. I think I'll do opportunity Zen plans. Okay. Solace. It's funny because I wanted to choose comfort and security because Xanthus was like three months away from retirement. <laughs> Rip and rest. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and so joining up on the cause has basically like jeopardized their like pretty much anything they were thinking of doing post service, right? So could um, that also be family and social connections or affluence and social standing? Affluence is, you know, affluence and social standing because there's some. I think there's something. Uh, I think there's something rather uh, maybe about maybe where they're from. There's something about you know retiring from the service that grants a certain kind of prestige or something like that. You know, a very well decorated, yeah, uh, officer or soldier, um, and, and that comes with certain perks in that society. Um, but and for for uh, Corey, comfort and security. It's like. You know, being so young, like, he was relatively safe. He had the ability to, like, go home and be safe. Have people tell him it's okay. And now he doesn't have that. We have a baby on board. Mm -hmm. uh, finally, discuss how your characters might have met each other during the cause's defeat. Describe how they present themselves and consider what they think of each other. Uh, so I think that Corey thinks that the captain is the bee's fucking knees. Oh, okay. Like, like this, this, they were so close to retiring. They are so cool. They've been doing this for so long. Oh God, am I a war hero to you? <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> Yeah, don't meet your heroes, kid. <laughs> he doesn't know it yet. He's never gotten a chance to properly, like, talk to you. It's just like, oh, the captain is cool. Oh, the poor thing. Okay. And then he stole a mech, and now it's like, ah, oh, shit, he's got to talk to the captain. The captain's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> uh, and I think Corey thinks that um, Sud is kind. I think Sud maybe reminds him of his grandma. No, <laughs> cause Sud Sud is the old lady. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Malia, can you, can you give me? I'm old Greg. Can you give me that? <laughs> I'm old Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. What you doing in my waters? <laughs> what you doing in my waters? You ever drink Bailey's from a shoe? <laughs> you ever been to a club where people wee on each other? Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, I think Corey met Sud. Um, uh, probably before he stole the uh, terraforming mech. Um... Like, he was having, like, a crisis or something and was just like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And Sud was like, you do what you can, kind of thing. 
And then he was like, I can go steal a back. That's right. <laughs> Follow your heart, child. Not that way. <laughs> and then met um, the captain afterwards. Uh, uh, met Xanthus afterwards. Because Xanthus was like, what in the hell is wrong with you? A great big climactic battle. You know, some Battle of Serenity Valley type stuff. Yep. Um, and you're like, oh, I'm going to go do something crazy. You're going to what now? Um, and then you actually pulled it off, you damn bastard. You pulled it off. Um, wonderful. I love that <laughs> for you. Don't ever do that again. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> what does Sud think of the other two? Um, I think for Corey, probably like he thinks of Sud as like a grandma that she thinks of him like, like one of her children almost like, uh, and someone that she wants to protect. No. 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 Uh, and then... Huh. For Xanthus, our two weeks from retirement... <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like so it's just like they're the captain, and that's all fine and dandy. That that is a thing that she is allowed to feel. <laughs> now, I will also say that y'all's first meetings, like with. With Corey could have been different than Corey's first meetings with y'all, like, because Corey's twenty and remembers shit. <laughs> but also, Malia, what is Sud's first like meet? Like the first time Sud met Xanthus, what was that like? Hmm, I think, um. Maybe. <sighs> Fuck, I can't formulate my thoughts. You want do you want some help? Like do you want to make that dialogue? No. <laughs> okay. I have a clarifying question because your archetype is awakened psionic. And I think it's interesting that a god is awakening. And so I'm curious um, is this a new vessel 
for you? Have you inhabited someone? Hmm. Or, have you, or have you incarnated anew? Like, what is... I like the incarnated anew more than, like, mm -hmm. inhabiting someone. Okay. So the question then becomes, you know, how about did that happen? Exactly. Um, but I think connecting it to this sort of Hail Mary mission, stealing this mech, you know, you know, there being some kind of divine intervention is super cool. Um, you know, I mean, did you, you know, open a wormhole that got us going? Like, did you whisk us away into, into hyperspace? Like, you know, like, what was, the, what was the thing? You know, why are you here? Or rather, you know, what brought you here and why have you stayed? Because that could be a, a conversation. That could be a thing. I think Sud wants to get these people to Hope's Promise. Oh, sweet. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, no, that, that works. <laughs> that, that does it. That answers that question. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hmm. Did I pray for you? I don't know, because you said you don't pay much mind to faith, right? No, I know that's the that's the that's the that's the dramatic thing, though. It's like in this moment of, I mean, this is ultimately a defeat. This is this is a defeat, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a moment of desperation for them, and it draws them to tap on something that they never really had much substance for. Um. And that, you know, you know oh, faith, okay. is, faith is small as a mustard seed type stuff, you know? Yeah, okay. So so maybe it's that uh, they called out to me and... I'm here to grow their faith, maybe? Or... I mean, did you just save my life? Is that, that it? <laughs> you saved my life? Produced a, a minor miracle where I should have been dust. Something way more mundane just grabbed you by the back of your shirt and yanked. Even better, frankly. Yank. <laughs> yank. Yoink. You yoinked okay. me, preventing me from getting yeeted. <laughs> okay. Soul, what do you think of us? What do I think of you? Well, I mean, co the coriander beat is very, very similar. If I can protect you, I can protect anyone. Um, and That's it's, adorable. And it's very much seeing Cori as it one as a very young person, and one and two, like he's. I, I, I don't want to say that Xanthus is objectifying you because that's not it. Um, but he is. But oh, I'm sorry, I'm shifting my own character. Um, Xanthus is um, projecting a lot onto you. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they had kids. 
maybe their kids are far, far away. I don't know. Um, but there's a died lot. Died in the defeat. Died in the defeat. Yeah, no, dead, dead. They're dead. Dead family. Family's dead. Um, their future's dead. Their family's dead. Awesome. Uh, um, Everybody's dead. Oh God. Yes. Yes. Um, and so there's there is a sense of like. No, I, I want I want to. I need to care for you because if I care for you, then we then we go on. We carry on. We walk tall. If I can show you how to walk tall, then everything's going to be fine. And I will make sure that you will be ready for the world before I leave it. Tragic. Yeah. And son? <laughs> son? Well, here, here's the thing. You know, Xanthus <laughs> is a person. Xanthus is a person who has sort of been sitting in a perpetual twilight. Um, you know, it's one sortie here, one campaign here, you know, just one more operation and then, you know, they're done. Um, but then here they are at the other end of that last job still here when they shouldn't be. Um, and so for Sud is like, you know, saving grace, but also, you know, it's also the, the, the thread I hang by at the same time. Um, so is there is this sort of this burgeoning, like, you know exploration of faith or something like that for someone who's like you know kind of sort of on the older side of things um which is interesting um who's old and maybe a little bitter um so there's a there's a rekindling of something something that you know could be could have reminded them of when they used to be you know youthful and full of a fervor that they don't have now anymore um but maybe can rediscover it right so there's that whole thing um so with Corey, there's 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 a connection with Corey, and then through Sud, there's also the sort of being reconnected to themselves um, that they didn't have before, or that they lost. Um, there is there's a feeling of gratitude, and therefore a debt to this god, um, which I think is interesting. Like literally, like you saved my life, I owe you my life. Time okay. to become religious. <laughs> Kind of, sort of, yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Alright, the last bit, the last thing is how um, do our characters present themselves to others? Like, what do they try and, like, make themselves appear as? I think Corey tries to seem more grown up than he actually is. Like, yeah, he's an adult, but also he is a child. Compared to most of the other people here, uh, potentially one of the youngest people on in the fleet right now um, that can do work. Uh, and so he, he tries to seem more adult, but because of that, he comes across very green, very naive, very young. How does Sud present herself I think she's kind of stoic. Like she care, she cares a lot, but she doesn't really show it that much. She's, she puts on like a, a kind of stony face, like observant. Hmm. 
a Victorian nanny vibe. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Xanthus. Yeah, that's a good question. Again, I think they, I think they try to present themselves as someone who has all the answers. Someone who's got their shit together in a time yeah. when your shit together is hard. Yeah, bingo. Um, I think that can definitely look stoic, but I think that can also look very rousing. I think that can even look almost maverick, even. Um, I think they wear many hats, depending on what the crew needs, what the people needs at that time. Um, you know, they they need that they need that hero, then they'll have it. They need that, you know, that leader, they'll have it. You know, they need that, you know, that, um, that's, yeah, that stern, you know, pointing finger that says fire at will, you know, then they'll do it. Um, and if they break down crying in their, in the captain's quarters where no one else can hear them, so be it. So be it. That's what they'll give themselves, which they don't often think to. Damn, these are some good characters. Then we move into uh, scenes and stuff. Uh, so who do we want to have go first? I think Corey should go first. Well, that's, oh, just, okay. that's, just, that's just me. <laughs> Order of the fucking document, alright. <laughs> I see how it is. <laughs> Get it. How could you? Alright. So I will start off as primary. That make so should we just go down, make Malia the satellite and uh Solus the counterweight? Mm-hmm. Cool. So Malia, because you're the satellite, you get to read the uh bit of narrative for flight for the first scene. Alright, cool. So you have lost your fight. You believe in believed in your cause. You knew it to be just, but it has failed. It has been broken upon the anvils of your enemies and been forced to flee. The tattered remnants of your cause's military force join you. A hastily assembled fleet of commandeered spaceships, damaged mechs, and disorganized mix of soldiers and non-combatants all now spill into space to escape retribution and persecution. You flee to escape the grasp of the old Earth Order. You will try to reach the rumored enclave of the first exodus in the far-off asteroid belt. So far away as to be more of a dream than a plan. The journey will be long and hard. The destination and outcomes are far from guaranteed. But they are the only slim slivers of hope that you have left to cling to. Replace Old Earth Order with Mandate and First Exodus uh, yep. with Hope's Promise, and that is yes. Yep. So we have some scene prompts that I get to choose from. I choose one of the following props for my scene. Each prompt corresponds to a group of character archetypes as indicated by their letter. The uh, table of character archetypes has letters uh, for example, a mech pilot might select the C prompt. However, feel free to select any prompt that appeals to you or invent your own. 
So the prompts that we have are, as you huddle in the spaceport, a mech battle breaks out in a nearby refueling station, and you escape being collater- collateral damage in this clash of titans. B, your ragtag fleet does not possess enough long-distance space vessels, so you must aboard and commandeer private vessels that sit in orbit. What goes disastrously wrong? How do you get what you need in spite of that? C, the powers of Earth will not readily or easily let you slip from their grasp. How do you and your limping flight circumvent their overwhelming odds? D, off the uh, front line, amidst bedlam and chaos, every hand is needed to perform the desperate triage necessary to save lives. Who do you make an unlikely connection with there, and what does it mean to you? E, the despair is palpable, crushing. You are a shepherd of this cause, and it was your responsibility to safeguard, but now everything is falling apart. Who shakes you from your fugue? As you return to those who need you, what can you still salvage? And F. You are different from those around you, and so many in your cause, and yet, how is your difference emblematic of what the remainder of your cause strives to accomplish? How does the fleet receive you for your difference? So. My archetype grouping is in C because I'm a pilot (laughs) and I think I'm going to pick that one the powers of earth will not readily or easily let you slip from their grasp because I do think it makes the most sense so I think the the scene setup is we have um, the ships of the, the fleet we have the primary ship uh, peace be still and there are small, like, it's the flagship, and we have much smaller ships and mechs that can achieve spaceflight, like, around us, trying desperately to get out of orbit to escape. And I think at this point, Corey is still in the terraforming mech. Because, like, we're trying to escape, so, like, how... Where else would would he be but inside of that mech? Because he's the only one who's figured out how to properly pilot it. Um. So, uh, I want to open this up, like as as Corey is like flying with the fleet as they're trying to get through like what is i want to open up to like the counterweight like what is going on around us what could be uh cause i guess more problems stuff like that well this this seems like the moment that we were discussing a little bit like before we started recording which is like you getting this mech in the first place you stealing this mech so this feels like this is that moment yeah, I, uh, I I have stolen it. I'm trying to catch up with the fleet. Probably. Right, 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 right. Okay, okay, okay. That's oh, that's awesome. That's really, really awesome. Um, so I think this this is interesting. Um, do you want like another mech pilot, or do you want to fight like uh, a squadron of fighters or something like that? What? Would the mandate send after me? Would they send one other mech pilot or would they send a squadron? And are they coming after just me specifically? Or am I also being caught up in the rush to stop um, the fleet from leaving? Honestly, honest to goodness, I think there is a moment where I don't think 
the mandate realizes that the person inside this mech is you. Like, there's like a brief moment where, like, you are surrounded by, you know, I'm using the term loosely here, TIE fighters. Um, and maybe like one mech or something like that, maybe one or two. Um, but I think it's definitely a mix of both mecha um, and like sort of conventional, like, you know, um, air fairing, space fairing vehicles. Um, I think there's a brief moment where like, um, they don't know that you're the one in the pilot seat. They don't know that you're an insurgent, right? Um, and, you know, for a moment you think, okay, yeah, no, I'll just coast along. Everything's fine. Um, you know, but then they scan you and they realize who you are and they're like, okay, we gotta, you know, we gotta, we gotta scramble and take this guy down. Um, and so I think what you have to do is, I mean, how big is this thing? I want to say this is like, um, it's a terraforming mech. It has to be able to terraform planets, right? Right. So I think that this is at least a, like, to pull from friends at the table, a divine size mech. This thing is huge. Right. So I don't think it's like rigor sized, but right. it's big. Okay. We're thinking like Grace or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Probably something along the lines of how big Grace is. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, so this but is one not as big as like the the divines that are part of like the divine fleet. Mm -hmm. And this so is those guys are big. And this is the first time. Uh, um, this is the first time you've flown something this large before. This is the first time I've flown something. This is the first time I've flown a mech. Period. Okay, so yeah, I think there's just there's just the learning curve here. Um, your reflexes aren't aren't as fast. Your I don't realize the mech is alive. <laughs> you don't realize the mech is alive. Something's shouting at you, but you don't quite know who it was shouting at you, right? There's just a lot of things going on. A lot of shit, 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 shit. So yeah, we get this scene as like this is happening, like realizing oh, oh they don't know I'm in here yet. Shit, 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 shit. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I'm trying to figure out: Does this thing have like weapons capabilities? What can it do? Oh, it's oh, not like oh, it definitely does a manual or anything. No. So like, I'm looking at readouts, trying to get them all, like looking at buttons, seeing if anything's labeled, trying to figure this out. Right. So there's definitely um, a moment where like there's definitely like a pro like a mandate protocol here. Like if you were a mandate pilot in this thing. You would have like a set series of, you know, calls and responses to, you know, actually communicate what's going on and for the, you know, sort of the field assessment to be given to you, right? You don't do that. Um, you start, you <laughs> press buttons and levers and you flip knobs and things and you, you know, you, you know, you open the firing ports and you, you know, turn on the, the flashers or whatever, you know, you do these weird articulations and like the joist or whatever, right? <laughs> you are sort of fumbling with this thing. Um, and so it prompts them to then say, okay, in the absence of reliable, verifiable data, we're going to scan you and see what the hubbub's about. Because if you were a competent mech pilot, you would, you would know what to do. Um, but you don't. So yes. suspicious. You're sus, Corey. Um, <laughs> uh, Malia, I'm going to just kind of forcibly assign you because you're the satellite. You're the mech. All right. Think of this mech like it, it is sapient. This is a, a person. This is a, a divine. This is something that knows 
and it could be new. It, it, it's new to this. It doesn't know things, but it knows how it's supposed to work. So mm-hmm. I want to open the floor to you to give you, like, what does the mech do as I'm fumbling around trying to, like, figure out what the fuck to do before all of these mandate, like, pilots around me figure out that I am not one of them. Uh, I think a a screen pops up on the monitor and is, like, directing, <laughs> trying to direct you. It's like, flip the switch in the top left corner. <laughs> There's like brief panic and it's like, um, okay, flips the switch and like follows the instructions as it goes through. Is there a voice to go along with this or is it just like text and beeps? I think right now it's text and beeps, like it's just becoming sentient recently, so it hasn't really learned how to use its, <laughs> it's voice yet. It's almost like having somebody who's not a piece of shit sit into its cockpit has made it realize that, oh, I have thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I can't believe we made a divine in an excerpt. <laughs> Friends at the table real. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, I'm following the instructions and slowly it starts to seem like whoever's in the cockpit knows what they're doing. Until I think I managed to like jet ahead of everybody else and sort of... Like, this is right as we get the, this is a suspicious person vibe. I think I managed to, like, jet ahead in this massive mech that's bigger than them. And then sweep around and, like, I don't know what kind of, I guess, I guess what kind of weapon this thing would have would be some kind of, like, laser weapon because it could be used for, like, carving and cutting through like landscape so it's sort of like a sweep of a laser weapon and you get the cool like multiple explosions across different like um ships and smaller mechs does that sound does that sound good yeah yeah Which then makes Cory go, what the fuck? <laughs> I didn't know this could do that. And then there's a message that probably pops up on screen that's like, okay, go. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> thrust her out of here. Tur- turn back around and go. We gotta like catch up. And Cory's like, oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Zoom. <laughs> Everybody in the in the in the escaping fleet is like, oh no, they're chasing us. Wait. And then Corey like manages to hail the captain and is like, hey. It's the captain. Wait. Coriander. Yes, sir. Uh not sir. Sir, mix, captain. Yes, hi. Sir Me. is fine. I'm the captain of the peace be still. I stole a mech! I can see that. You're not even that far out of Atmo. What do you- (sighs) I'll provide you covering fire. Bring us around. I think I already fucked them up. What? 
This thing has lasers? Yes, I know, but then you shot it, you activated the weapons array, and you used it? Yeah, the, um, it, it, it's been giving me, like, there's instructions. I think I may have accidentally activated easy mode. <laughs> that's, that's not a thing. I don't know what I did. I pushed buttons. Things happened. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of, we need to go, um, before they send more. Just get back to the ship and be arranged for our envelope, please. I think when you say before they send more, that more is starting to come out. You were like already under fire. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the mech's like faster. <laughs> the thrusters start going before Corey even hits something. Yeah. Gotta the go. mech is like, wait, I can make us go faster. <laughs> Gotta go fast. Gotta go fast. <laughs> Corey docks the mech to the peace be still because it's the only ship that's big enough to like have Contain. that thing attached to it. Yeah, that's that's I think that's I think that's it. Yep. So the the last thing uh is that when a scene finishes, um we uh satellite and counterweight can assign uh traits and resources if they want to. Traits are adjectives that describe your signature character as they change and grow. Resources are things that belong to the fleet as a whole. Materials, morale, skill sets, they reflect what your characters manage to help the fleet build, claim, or preserve. At the end of each story node, the primary signature character may be awarded a trait by the counterweight and or a resource by the satellite. The resource awarded can be taken from the list of suggestions at the bottom of each node or invented to suit the fiction. The primary may integrate the traits and resources they are awarded into their character. However, each character can only be defined by two traits and one resource at a time. They may have to replace an older trait, refuse an offered resource because they prefer the one they already have, or vice versa. So, what is listed at the bottom of this for the trait suggestions is wounded, grieving, enraged, weary, or resolute, and resource suggestions are refugees, spaceships, hope, or heritage. Um, in terms of traits, I'm a fan of assigning... Because at first I'm like, okay, weary could be cool. Um, but there's just something about the fact that we've taken this machine. And I think that, you know, if that's not something that, uh, Malia, you want to give hope for, um, I think resolute is something there. You know, we held fast. We held our own. We do what we had to do. Um, and now we're in the wind. So that means something. Yeah, I think that worked. All right. I accept that. I am now green and resolute. <laughs> Yay. Hooray. Yeah. Uh, and now we're on to scene two. The Blade of Ares. And we rotate primary, satellite, and counterweight. So Malia, you are now the primary. Um, Solus, you're the, the satellite, and I'm the counterweight. So, uh, Solus, you get to read the text. I do get to read the text. Uh, the Blade of Ares. Away from your, from the homeworld, 
falling from the cradle, you fly. Your pursuers give you no respite. You are harried, hounded, and allowed no ground on which to steady your footing. It is a miracle of desperation and perseverance that your exodus has remained as intact as it has for this long. A world looms close, a precious supply depot at the last limits of civilization, and a launching point into further unknowns. It is speckled with mining domes and surrounded by orbital habitats. Supplies, material, and fuel can be acquired here, whether the fleet scavenges, negotiates for, or extorts them. Additionally, there are sympathizers to your cause here, in dire need of evacuation. But can you afford to take them with you as you flee? Your window of opportunity is closing fast. Your pursuers close the distance, and you are still vastly outmatched. How shall you gather what the fleet needs to survive? So our scene prompts for this one are, uh, I don't think I'm actually going to read all the scene prompts every time because I have realized that that takes a while and these are really long. Yeah. The one that would be, the one that is quote unquote recommended you pick would be F since you are part of that archetype category, but you don't have to pick that one. You can pick any of the other ones or make one up if you want to. Also, for the audience, we're not technically at Mars. <laughs> it's yeah. a planet. Yeah, Celestial, we- Celestial Bodies Orbital Mechanics uh, takes place in our solar system, but of course, for the purposes of this game. Our solar system. We're yeah. in a solar system, but it's not our solar system. Right. I like kind of continuing on with the like, your foes are in hot pursuit. Um, you may buy time for the fleet to resupply so that the ship, uh, ships that are able to fight have been committed to a rear guard, rear guard action. How do you fare in ship ship combat whose fragile lives around you are snuffed out? Um, okay. Uh, so what? What is the scene? Set the scene for us. So I think that despite our best efforts that uh, uh, a small group of the Mandate ships are uh, catching up to us. Did they find us or did they send word ahead to uh, ships elsewhere? Like as we're moving through the galaxy? I think it's ships elsewhere. Like okay. up ahead that we weren't prepared for, but they kind of they caught our uh, heading. And they caught our scent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think that uh, <clears throat> I think as far as combat goes. It's it's less that Sud is doing a combat and more that she's manipulating the space between mm-hmm. uh to combat. So for reference, that's what we call the force slash magic in this world. It is space between. 
So, uh, okay. So what is happening is word got sent to the mandate ahead of time, like to mandate forces that are ahead of us. And so they basically ambush the fleet as it's going by. Right. Right. Uh, since I'm the counterweight. So yes, correct. That's what they're doing. They're ambushing the fleet. Um, probably flanking either side of it, trying to um, pin us down and take out as many of the smaller ships as possible so that it's easier to take out the larger ship. Mm -hmm. Um, So what is is Sud doing specifically to try and circumvent this or prevent it? I think that she's going to give, like, suggestions to the captain of how to steer the ship while manipulating the space between. Captain? Yes. (laughs) I don't understand these... These vectors, these trajectories, they make no sense. How are we supposed to fly? Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Get outside the ships. Pew, pew, pew. Um. <laughs> You've just got to trust me. Just follow, just follow the line. How, how much, um... Magic space bullshit has the captain come in into contact with? Like, how much stock do they put in that? It's one of those things where they've definitely dealt with um, unconventional weaponry. Um, and how many novas have they come into? Contact how many? With? How many novae have they come into contact? That is a good question. <laughs> uh, I'm. I'm going to say not a lot. I'm going to say not a lot. I think. I. I. Th- I, I think they have read. Words, I think they are, they know what it is, you know, but when faced with it so directly, you know, with this very grand display and it very much just throwing off all of their instruments, it's like, okay, well, how the hell am I supposed to actually play this instrument? You know, um, you know, peace be still isn't, it doesn't, doesn't feel the same now that I'm sort of tossed into the chum in this way. Um, so yeah, there's, there's some unsteadiness. They're not used to this. There's there's protocols, there's tactics, there's stratagem. This is wild. Um, but there's something about that, though, that is still interesting. So they have a lot of questions rather than going, oh, belay that order. No, I'm not doing that. No, no I'm not doing it at all. No, they are strangely open to it. Uh, Sud has their curiosity. Um, I'm in a very real way. And so, you know, while, of course, they are skeptical, they're still giving these orders to the bridge crew based on what Sud is advising them to do. Um, you know, that, that's basically what's happening. Um, and so they do the impossible. Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So... The captain is following this this god's directions mm-hmm. as best as they can. 
um, is the call just because they're gonna keep pursuing, they're gonna keep trying to shoot down ships. So, Sud, like, are you doing anything to try and circumvent that? Are you giving, like, instructions for um, Xanthus to give out to, like, the people, the other ships? Or is it just we have to try and, like, just send the uh, uh, fall in line and, and retreat and hope for the best that as many people make it out as they can? I think so. Despite that Sud is a god, she's not all powerful. Like, she can't yeah. do everything. Yeah. So We have no gods in this setting that can do everything. Yeah. So, um... I think that she's just basically like, everybody keep tight and uh, just follow the lead of the captain as best as you can. Because uh, she's already manipulating the space in between, so she can't do much more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how many ships do we lose then? Uh, that's a good question. I think... Well, how many do we have, and then we could roll the dice? Do you... Okay. <laughs> so we have the main ship, which is not going to be one of the ones that we lose. Um, right. And there's, like... Hold on. How about a solid 20? Yeah, I, ju- I just googled how many ships can be in a flotilla. The answer is between 3 and 20. So <laughs> Nice. Alright. Alright, let me grab a, a d20 out of my little bag. Rolls a, na- rolls a natural 20. We're toast. Oh god. god. Alright, so this is how many ships we lose. This is how many people we're losing. <laughs> you may cross your fingers for a low number. Eleven. Uh. Wow, we're not even in part four yet. <laughs> We've lost eleven ships and mechs. So that uh, we're not going to give like a body count, but that's over half the flotilla. It's a lot. Actually, that is half the flotilla because we weren't counting the primary ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we're down. So the, we're still- down the nine. Nine, including Peace Be Stiller. No, it would be um, ten. But ten in total. Out of ten total with Peace Be Still. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Uh, that sucks. But, uh, you know, we escape. Yeah. I think that's fair, too, for it to be a, a hefty number since we were blindsided. Mm-hmm. Buy it. I think, um, Solus, like, I know I'm the counterweight, but I think for this one, it would make sense if there's a resource. Because it seems like, uh, fuel or rations would be resources that, because we lost half of the fleet. Yeah. Right. Um, I think 
I think fuel. Okay. I think so, fuel more so than rations because I like that scarcity. Yeah. Yeah. So Malia, put down the ration or not ration, the fuel resource on your on your slide. Da, da, da. So we we escape from them, but only just. Right. We forgot about the trait. We have to assign a trait as well. Um, oh, I thought it was like. Oh, it's do, it's it's one or the other. It's we can do one or the other or both. Um, since it's, I just. No, I understand. I was wondering, are we interested in both? I don't really feel any of those, and I can't think of one. Wait. All right. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. So. It's totally cool. So scene three, the long dark. Um, so we rotate again. So now I am the satellite. Um, Solus, you're the primary. And Malia, you're the counterweight. So Malia, remember that is uh, the opposition, the antagonist. That is mm-hmm. the mandate. Yep. I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be the mandate. It is whatever is around us that is causing problems. <laughs> You know, the long dark, I think that's a little bit more abstract than just the mandate, because this is the parts of space where there's nothing. Um, so I, as a satellite, get to read. Silence and suffocation. The zealous defenders of Earth who drove you hence have called off their pursuit and left you to be swallowed by the abyss. They are content to lick their wounds and count themselves the unrivaled victor. Where could your fleet even go, they asked themselves, in the long, cold emptiness of space. You are limping, wounded, rationing supplies, and desperately trying to put yourselves back together. Scant resources must be stretched well beyond their breaking point. How do you bear these long, hopeless months in the darkness? All you have to cling to is one another. And again, we have six different scene prompts that Solus gets to choose from. I do get to choose from them. Yeah. It's true. You know, I'm 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 super interested and in, I'm I'm looking at this and I'm I'm sort of reminded of uh of this uh, episode of star trek voyager um called uh the year of hell um where uh the ship uh voyager is under attack um and you know they're you know the, the ship is in really really dire straits and the whole point of the it's a several part episode i think um but um you know it's it's them really on the outs it's them really um, bearing down with their knuckles and really trying to keep everything together. Um, despite the fact that they are under constant, 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 uh, uh, opposition from, you know, the Delta Quadrant, which is, you know, strange and foreign and, you know, trying to destroy them, um, at every turn. And the year of hell is really that bottleneck. It really sort of Mm -hmm. encapsulates that. And that's really where I'm drawing from for this. 
um, with Xanthus in particular, um, because the prompt that I'm interested in, um, you know, the danger may have passed, but the ship never sleeps. This fragile vessel is held together by patchwork prayers and you, the overworked crew. As you struggle to ensure that vital life support systems do not fail, what tensions flare? Does this outburst bring the crew together or drive them apart? Um, but also, I'm also a fan of the first one as well. Uh, that was B. I also like A. Uh, so like after the terror and the strain, at last you have time to decompress with those you care for. How do you celebrate each other's presence as the months pass, packed so tightly together, how do you irritate each other? So I kind of like the idea of sort of combining the two and sort of having a little bit of one and a little bit of the other, where, you know, overall, it's a dire strait. Overall, you know, we can't stand each other. Overall, you know, we are pushed to the breaking point. We're people, though, and we have to find comfort where we can get it. Exactly. And so in those small pockets, in those small moments, in those small uh, small hours, um there is is this where the captain realizes that they're human and that they need those moments uh for sure for sure i think i think in place of i think in place of a speech and i think in in place because i think i think for them like xanthus has been spending a lot of time in their ready room Mm -hmm. they've been spending a lot of time alone going through reports and just reading, 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 um, and listening and listening and, you know, holding court essentially on that bridge, um, listening to all these things. And I think, you know, they, they're just, they're, they're drawn inward. They can't get to personal or sentimental. They have to make really exacting calls. Um, and so they kind of sort of forget how to talk to people, just talk to people normally, how to have a normal conversation. Um, and so it's not a speech, um, but it's a meal. It's a meal that they have with their crew, um, with their bridge officers, rather. And Coriander is there. I, I also believe that as well. Um, and it's just this really, someone like cracks a joke and like Xanthus genuinely laughs. And it just rips through them, and they don't know where the hell that came from, but then it's just there, and they're, they're, they're so present in a way that they hadn't been for what felt like months in the black. us on social media you can find us on tumblr at hopes hearth pod and if you would like to support us you can find us on coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash hs enclave this podcast is part of hearthside enclave and some other shows you might like 
are Abbey Archives, a Redwall Book Club Analysis Podcast, and Post-Apocalyptic News Radio, a Fallout-inspired audio drama.